We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The reality of preseason is that you shouldn't draw strong conclusions, which is why it makes no sense after one good game against Everton to say we're definitely going to win the league. You have to say we're probably going to win the league. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Yeah, try to try to think about your opinions in preseason as malleable, right, as being a little less firm than the opinions you have during the season. And that's why I like to think of the performance against Everton, especially the first half, as indicating that we might or might probably win the league, but I don't want to go far enough as to say we definitely will. Uh, now, having said that, this is our 600th episode, um, and for that, we've got a very special thing planned. We're going to talk about Arsenal um, for about an hour or so. So I hope that you enjoy that very special uh, uh, unusual podcast that we put together for this momentous occasion. To be fair, uh, if it weren't for the fact that I was in Portugal, I probably would have tried to pull together some special guests and whatnot, but uh, bear with me. We'll do it for the... Uh, 1600th episode. How about that? We'll do something special for that one. Just a thousand short episodes from now. So Arsenal did win a football game uh, in Charm City in Baltimore, USA. And I have to admit, like seeing the Arsenal fans there and the community and Mike from the Gooners pod and everybody having the time of their life, like, yeah, I'm on a wonderful once in a lifetime holiday with my parents and my wife and my kids. And I'm so, so lucky and thrilled to be where I am right now. But I had a little bit of FOMO. It looked really special, and I think the performance, especially in the first half of a largely first-team group of Arsenal players, warranted a little bit of that FOMO, too, because it was pretty exciting, and there's a lot to tease out from that. There's also injuries to discuss, and maybe a little bit of transfer stuff, outgoings in Amari Hutchinson, incoming in Alexander Zinchenko, and here to discuss all that with me now is Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Paul. Woohoo! Can't wait to get you back from Portugal. Uh, get yeah. you into my time zone so that I'm not getting a bat call when my eye opens above the covers mm-hmm. first thing in the morning. So apologies, my toilette has not been fully completed, everybody. Well, I want to thank you for doing the uh, instant reaction with Scott at, at an ungodly Within hour the Portugal time, <laughs> he was, which I then, he wasn't as good time. All and, those and tweets I, about I those in. beers that he drinks on Twitter, <laughs> he does drink those beers. 
as evidenced by that podcast. Yeah, and 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 I begged you guys to do one so we could get one out. Then slept in till like nine thirty Portugal time and posted it at roughly ten a.m. So there you go. Um, and Clive, you can find him on Twitter, Clive PFC. Hello, hello, hello. hello, hello, indeed. Um, <laughs> wow, there's a lot to talk about, and it's not just all the same stuff. I mean, it is sort of all the same stuff, which is how good is Gabriel Jesus? Very, very good. Thank you for joining us. But there, there's some stuff to sink our teeth into here, I think, and so. Clive, I'll let you have the first shot at it. The thing that jumped out to me about this game out of the gate, the biggest thing, and we have William Saliba to talk about too, we shouldn't gloss over that, was just the tempo. The tempo was so high, and the ball was moving at such a rate of speed. There was tremendous verticality and urgency in our passing. And yeah, it was a sight to behold. And as a result, I mean, there was a 20, 25-minute period there where I don't think Everton got out of their half. I enjoyed seeing it. And... um you know, I mean, it's really a free swim here, Clive, because I think there's a lot of really interesting um, tactical elements to this game, but also some performances that that were eye-opening as well. Yeah, so when you see the evolution of this team and you see where we are now, I wonder, I think back to where we used to be with a back three elbow team, Bamyang on the left, and all the things that we had, Sabias in midfield, Bellerin running off down the road, Pepe ignoring him. All these mishmash of partnerships. And then you see what we have now, and you think, Crikey, he held that he he hit that frustration pretty well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean <laughs> I, we he spoke about how he wanted to play. He kept saying, We're miles away, we're miles away, we're miles away. And then you can see this developing, and now we're all we're all experts, right? We're all experts on back four. We're all experts on where you want to play. We're looking at deep ball progressors. We're like trying to predict the future. We're looking at different styles of eights, inverted fullbacks. We're talking about inverted wingers. We're like talk about this as if it was in our minds two years ago. Well, it wasn't, but it's probably in his. You know, and it's probably in his, and he's had a chance to recruit it and. I think sometimes when we're all we're all wonderful analysts, sometimes we need to hold our hands up and say, you know what? He knew he wanted to do a long time ago. He had to do some housekeeping. He had to blow this thing up, as I used to say. Well, he's blowing it up. It's cost us a lot of money. We're spending money. Then you see that on the pitch. And you can see something, can't you? You can see something that's repeatable, sustainable, that's modern, that's controlling, and it could get better. It can get better, and the framework is there, and we can all draw it out. We could draw it out now if we had to on a piece of paper, and the only thing that will change would be the quality of the player. And I think it's really quite exciting, um, and I think it's really nice that I can see the nodding from yourself, Elliot, and Paul's drifting a little bit, but the nodding, God, but I know he's thinking. <laughs> I know I was nodding though; <laughs> I was drifting and yeah. nodding. But I, but I know you're you're agreeing because we all we all can see we all projecting can see the future of what this team can look like, and I think it's really exciting. I really do. Yeah, and it is interesting again when you inject a little bit of quality in a critical position, the way that changes how a lot of things look and the critical position is the number nine. Like it, it is really the case that Tottenham Hotspur don't play better football than us. They don't have a better football team than us, but they had two forwards that were really in scintillating form at times last season. And the difference it made to them was pretty much yeah. on display in the table. Um, right. We have a number nine now that to me looks like he's ready to show that he didn't get to explore his full potential at, at Manchester City. And it is just preseason. You do need to be careful. And I understand that we've seen 
<laughs> mediocre players dominate preseason games, but I also think there are times when you see breakouts happen. I remember some good preseasons from players we didn't really know what to expect of them, and then it turned into the fact that they were actually really, really good. Uh, we saw it from Mikhail Saka. We saw it from, um, well, Ganduzi, but obviously that didn't work out quite the way we hoped. Paul, the, the Gabriel Jesus thing is eye-opening. He is able to do things that our number nine has not been able to do for a while. And that's both Aubameyang and Lacazette. You just see the number of runs he makes and the way the defenders struggle to track them. And he's not going to convert every chance, but he creates enough big chances. The funny thing is the goal was so well taken and it can look like an easy opportunity. And credit to Tim Stillman for pointing out that he he makes a lot of back post runs and he's going to arrive at the back post a lot. But there's a lot of skill in, in that in that finish. But the one that, the ball that he plays through to Saka, you know, again, the vision, I think it's an outside of the boot um pass. It's hard to tell because of this standard definition stream that we were all treated to if you were not in the ground. Yeah, I mean, he, his his inclusion really does does make the whole team look a lot better. And I guess what I would ask you is, do you find that? he is is the missing ingredient at least so far that's going to going to unlock a lot of potential that was maybe trapped in the squad a little bit yeah for sure um it he, like he he seems transformational to how we play um the goal he takes i mean that that touch uh you know scott and i talked about it yesterday what's the xg on the shot probably you know pretty high something like 30 40 uh so he really should score from there, but he really should score from there because of that absolutely superb first touch that he anticipates is going to be superb. So he's ready, like he's already on the shot. I mean, it's just, it's class. So that's one thing. The, uh, the, his assist, which is probably more an assist. He's trying to get to Martinelli, but squirts through to Saka. Like he's dropped deep. He's turned the tables on their defense and they're scrambling and he hurts them. Um, he's dropping into midfield and then he spins off to the right wing. Suddenly, you know, you're Eddie or you're Martinelli. Like that was the other neat thing about the go- Saka's goal. Martinelli's through the center. Um, Gabriel shift to the left. So he's got these understandings going on. We saw it in the last game with Eddie where Gabriel's swing out to the right wing. Eddie will come into the middle. Like, what we didn't really see last year with with uh, Arteta's um, uh, positional play is actually a lot of movement from our front three. And Gabriel Jesus can't not move. Like, play him on the, the right wing, he'll, he'll play through the center. But the first thing I noticed la- in his first game for us was how many times in key moments in the first half he was on the right wing. And I'm like, how did that happen? He was just playing through the center. What's he doing right on the right wing? And it's like, he'll drop in, pick up a ball centrally and take it out to the right wing. And you're like, how, how did that happen so quickly? It's it's not like they swapped before the ball comes into play or before the ball comes up to them. He'll start centrally, end, end right, and the other player will have swung in. And the understanding already between him, Sack and Martinelli yesterday was superb. And then the other thing you see with him is that I didn't really expect at that level was his hold-up play with a couple of big cloggers around him. He manages mm. to do something when they've no right firing it into him, right? It's not 
DCL. It's not Tammy Abrams. It's not some six foot three, six foot four guy who's a Giroux. It's fucking, you know, six footish uh, Gabriel Jesus out muscled, but he's not out muscled. <laughs> six footish. Yeah. He's not six feet tall. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. He, he is to me, Elliot. He is to okay. me. Yeah. Um, and like how he uses his body, he'll stick a foot out, squirt it to somebody. Um, and then the first 10 minutes, he's just crazy. The pressing, the intensity. He's all, yeah. like, we get a throw in, I think, on like four or five minutes. And the guy's like, he's aware that you can stand in an offside position for a throw in. And he's like going crazy up to the the uh, byline looking for the ball. Like he's just chaos. I, I, in fact, I saw, I haven't read the bit yet from Arteta, but it, uh, Arteta uses the word about him uh, creating chaos. Like he's a nightmare for the other team. The yeah. intensity of us for the first 20 minutes. I just want to say one thing, which is I'm late. One, to, one more thing. Yeah. One, one more thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm late to the party <laughs> on Gabriel Jesus. And, but the best things in my life, Bob Dylan, it don't matter. I came to the party a little late, made sure it was good before I joined in. Yes, Tim's out there with his trademarked Gabriel Jesus opinions from five years ago. <laughs> yes, you have some back catalog tweets, Elliot, where you talked about him. I do. I have it in my heart. My, <laughs> my, my mentions of Gabriel Jesus from the past are in my heart. I've no evidence for you. But this guy might be the most transformational guy we've had in the last decade. Yeah. He's... He's outstanding, potentially. Stay fit, Gabrielle. Stay fit. It, it feels a little Alexis sanchez in terms of the players it can unlock. Alexis was the perfect player to unlock yeah. Ozo a little bit in terms of the energy. You know, when someone is that energetic and that um, all action and that engaged, it forces everybody else to be that way. And Clive, we did press a lot. And, I, you know, the pressing is something that we've done in fits and starts. It hasn't been a consistent part of our game. We were very front-footed in this game. Sometimes you're going to get it wrong and get beat in behind. And by the way, like Manchester City and Liverpool get beat in behind. Liverpool clean it up because Virgil van Dijk is not human. He's a machine and he can go clean up any mess. And, you know, City usually just about clean it up because you've got someone like maybe Walker who can chase it down or whoever it is. We probably are going to need someone to occasionally put out a fire at the back. And I'll be curious to see who that player winds up being. But the energy in our pressing and our ability to prevent Everton from getting out, I, I still think is the model for how we're going to create a lot of chances with the, that sack of Martinelli and, and Jesus lineup up front. So what did you think about that? The off-the-ball energy and intensity and the way we tried to win the ball high up the pitch. It's, it's, I, I mean, we don't know yet, but I think that's going to be a more consistent feature of our game. I think so. And the personnel have changed, haven't they? When you've got people who mm -hmm. can run. And I know... I don't want to go back, but I'm going to have to go back because we spoke about what we were doing last year and with Lacazette and what he was doing for the team. And I used the word, I think we're over-indexing some of it. And, but it was he was the best option. No, There's no drama about it. It was the best option until he ran out of oxygen. Simple as that. Yeah. But another one of my lines is, you're as good as your forwards. And when you have good forwards, you everything changes. And then you start to focus on other things, like how you can get the ball to them, you know? And so we're already focused on build-up. I know you are, Elliot, and particularly on the left-hand side. Because right? we want to get the ball to our forwards. And the quality of that service is now really important. 
because we know we've got something special top into the pitch, right? And we've got some developing special talents who could be world-class in a year or so, no drama at all, you know? So so everything changes. Everything changes by what we can do based on the personnel. It's something, I know you've always spoke about pressing and people on Discord always spoke about pressing and I've always put it to one side because I just didn't see presses. I just didn't see presses. So we can talk about pressing, but it doesn't matter if you if you if you can't run. Do you know what I mean? So we can tackle, we can we can collide, we can we can work hard, but it can't be a consistent strategy because we didn't haven't got consistent physicality, and the consistent physicality of our front men at the moment, our energy is high, and off the ball they're showing that energy, and I think on the ball they're adding something else, which is a form of physicality. Now, just a little bit technical here, but what they're doing a little bit is when you're big, you know, and I like, you know, I like, you know, I like a tall player on occasion. I've mentioned it. I think you could do with one, if it, whether it be a tall winger or a tall forward. It's no drama. We would get one or we don't, right? But when you're big, you can you can take the ball straight on. You can post up, take it straight on. Help use that phrase. What these guys are doing is they're creating angles. And when you create angles, you can chop back against the angle, and then you're in charge of that duel physically. So creating an angle with your first touch or receiving it on the angle, then coming back against in almost like a zigzag style is a form of physicality, creating separation, where you can turn around and carry. You know, it, this is really quite interesting. If you look at Eddie, you look at Martinelli, you look at Saka, you look at Jesus, they all have that attribute to get it into their feet, to cut to drive, to change direction on the ball. And then off the ball, their reaction is really excellent. You know, their immediate reaction, transition from having possession to not having possession, to get it back. And while they're doing that, what they're doing is they're delaying the exit. And when you delay the exit, then the people behind the back end of the pitch, the back five, can organise. They can go and target people. They can organise. They can see where it's going to go. They can look at the eyes see where it's going to go, and try to counter-press. If if the first press gets beaten, they can counter-press in the middle part of the pitch. Then you have your back two that are dropping off just in case there's no pressure on the ball and there's a long pass going through and they can win the races. We have centre-backs that can run. Mm. We're not talking Pablo Marie, <coughs> uh, David Luiz, <laughs> and, and Rob Holding. We are talking about William Saliba, Ben White, and Gabriel, and they mm. are swift they are swift. Yep. And so suddenly you can you can see it, can't you? You can see what's coming here, and it's just gonna be uh <laughs> laying on that cake, mate. The cake is started to form, and we're yep. just laying some more stuff on it. Yeah, and I just I, I do Paul already mentioned it, but I do think the way that the the front three were able to swap around a little bit. More Jesus and Martinelli doing it a little bit than than Saka, but there's flexibility there. You know, they can change positions, they're comfortable moving to different positions on the pitch um, and can still be dangerous wherever they swap to. I just love watching Gabriel Jesus play though. Uh, It's not runs in behind from the halfway line. It's runs in behind from the top of the 18 yard box into the 18 yard box. It's, you know, he has a little of what made Aubameyang special in his pomp. He has that preternatural ability to be in the position he needs to be in the box to hurt you. And that is such a skill, and I don't really know how to sum it up. I feel like Raheem Sterling at his best does it really well. Aubameyang always did. You know, these slashers, obviously Salah and Sadio Mane, two of the best at it. 
but you know these these slasher striker winger players who who make these diagonal runs into the box and and just sort of arrive where they need to be and and he's always making them um and can still come short to play the one twos i mean it's not like he you know he can't have his back to goal just a wonderful player to watch uh i do think there's room for this to go up a level paul you know you look at the fullbacks it's nuno tavares and cedric and it's one of the most important positions in all of football right now and we had both of our backups playing and i think while there may be good things about them, there's a lot of weaknesses about them as well. I, you know, Andrew was with us when we went to, um, our spugs with us when we went to the Everton game at the end of the season at the Emirates and just his head in his hands every time Cedric put in another cross and I'm watching this game early and it was the Cedric don't cross it first time challenge. You know, it's like every time the ball hit his foot, it was a cross into the box, whether there was someone there or not. Or a goal. Um, yeah, 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 I get it. Um, but it's just the point that like, that's a position yeah that we can get more from and, and left back is as well. And so, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see who benefits the most as those positions come up. Yeah. One of the things that obviously though everyone had their eye on last night was William Saliba. Look, you could put a Skoda engine in a Ferrari and it's not really a Ferrari, right? You got to have the right engine in there, but like just looking at Gabriel and Saliba together, that looks like a great center back pairing. Like if looks determined how a center back pairing would perform, we'd have the best center back pairing in the world. They just look the part and they're physical and they're big and they can run. Um, Saliba distributes the ball so well. I think the thing I like is the ball doesn't roll to a stop at its target. You know, he puts information on the pass. He gets it out of his feet quickly and fires it back up the pitch and it gets you turned around and going. It makes it hard to trigger a press, makes it easy for players to get, you know, start their runs when he gets it. They don't have to wait for a three-touch control and then come back to the ball because it's rolling to a stop at them. I'm curious how you, how you thought of their performance. I, yeah. I think I felt, you know, from the instant reaction, maybe not as, not as impressed as I, I think you should have been. <laughs> but look, the question isn't whether William Saliba is ready to go take Ben White's place and be, you know, the center back player of the season in the Premier League. It's, does he look like he can come in and be a, a key contributor for us? And it's just preseason, and they ever didn't weren't in our half much, but it it looked good to me. Yeah, puts information on the pass. I'm going to steal that one for the next podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I stole that from someone too. To be yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> Clive, Clive's pointing at himself. If if it sounded intelligent, it must have come from Clive. Surely. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the end, everything we say was was said in one of the early podcasts by Clive. I think we just have to hope yeah. that people forget. He said it so long ago, they forget, and it seems fresh and original. And we put our own twist on it, or not. Um, look, I, in a previous episode, I, I, I said, uh, a rising tide floats all boats, and someone on Twitter said, that's a brilliant turn of phrase, well done. And I just said, yep, just thought of it off the top of my head. That's mine. Yep. Yeah. Take the credit if you can. That's what I said. Right. Now, I have a bone. Anyway, go ahead, Paul. I, I'm going to get, it's going to tar- turn a little ugly here because I have a bone to pick with you on this. I picked Saliba mm-hmm. as a stock rising. The only thing I didn't yeah. do was go crazy on it because yeah, it's, you it's preseason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and look, I think part of the reason I didn't go crazy on it was, um, and I think this is interesting, like Dominic Calvert-Lewin decided to pick on one of our centre-backs to be all over him. So we picked the weak link in his mind, Saliba, because it was either him or Gabrielle, and nobody fancies Gabrielle particularly for that. And like the weakest link we have is Saliba. It's a pretty good day. And like, I think they had a pretty good battle. 
because DCL is very good. Now, in the end, there were offsides. There were this, that. I think Saliba did very well. It was his first game out. I wouldn't go crazy on it. I thought he was very good. I think for a first game in the shirt, practically a debut at this stage because he's been looked at in a way that he, he wasn't the first time he was wandering around part of it. So for me, this was very much a debut. And I thought he looked the part. We played a super, super high line against DCL and Gray. Uh, that was what they wanted. That's what they were set up for. They got no change out of us. And that's with two fullbacks. I think it's fair to call our fullbacks fullbacks. Um, and I'll say not too much more. There was the opportunity on either side to isolate center backs. They basically got no change out of us. We were super aggressive. Saliba handled himself really well, looks the part. Uh, was ballsy when they put pressure on him to play out, play out from the penalty box, uh, play uh, clever passes when he could have played. You know, he could have just settled in for his first appearance in a shirt and played it a little safer. It allowed us to be super aggressive, keep the pressure on so that the three up front could give them a torrid time. Uh, as we like half the battle these days uh, and back to your Arteta point, right? Um, this will be the first season where he has his kinds of players in each position. And we see Arteta ball in a way we never have before. We're going to see more, more aggressive, more pushed up, uh, more from our center backs, more from our full backs, more rotation, more posi true positional play, clever play, not just a pretty good 4-2-3-1. Um, and to do that, you need two center backs who can handle it and two full backs. Um, yesterday, we had two center backs. I don't know if we had the full backs to handle it. And that's why we had our Teta ball in the first half. It was interesting in terms of the line lineup he sent out because it was mostly a first eleven. But he couldn't uh, show his hand too much, so we put in a couple of players who were maybe not the first string. But I guess that he doesn't really have his first string fullbacks, and he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, not not the first string uh, sent, um, uh, goalkeeper either. And that you know that inhibits us a little bit from the back, but it didn't matter too much against Hever Everton. Yeah, look, I think. Matt Turner was always going to play too because, you know, it's in the USA, USA Tour, sure. right? American um, playing for Arsenal. I think giving him that run out in front of the crowd was a nice thing. I don't think he looked great. I don't think he looked terrible. Like, I I think there are people that felt after the first preseason game he played that this is another Runnerson. I think that's probably, you know, massively overstating his limitations. But this isn't having Burnt Leno as a number two. I mean, he's not that caliber. So... Yeah or at least I don't suspect he is anyway. So I think it will be a case where we will need Ramsdale fit. And if he's not, I mean, who knows? Matt Turner may get a little more comfortable. He may be just a little overawed at the moment. And and we may find that he's actually ready to be a very competent, very good number two. But my suspicion is that we'll probably be a little more reluctant to use him uh, if if Ramsdale's available. But we'll see. We'll see about that. Clive, I, I don't want to leave you out of the Saliba discussion, though. I want... I, look... He's played a lot of games in France. There's a lot of stuff we've seen of this player. It's not like the first time we're ever watching him. We've done two different scouting videos of him. So tell me everything there is to know about William Saliba based entirely on one half of football in preseason against Everton. Yeah, nothing has changed, really. I, I, when, you, when, I, when I look at him, uh, everything feels calm, for one thing. He seems to be not moving his legs fast enough, but people he's catching people up. 
you know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. uh, and, <laughs> and you think, mm, this is interesting, mate. Can you put a bit of a jog on? Oh, okay, you've got the ball, a bit like that, you know. He's playing possum, basically. Yeah. And what he doesn't do, there's a skill to that, and something I talk about is that you don't want to arrive at the ball too fast because if they chop, you, you can't adjust. So you want to arrive alongside and make sure they can't come inside. If you come inside, you're showing the number. If you're showing your number, you're in trouble, right? They've got you spinning around. So he's very good when he's running back. His recovery lines are excellent. His angles are excellent. He leans on you, shuts out the light. You can't see nothing and he just got the ball and you're on the ground crying for your mother, right? So he's just, um, he's very nice to watch. He's just very nice to watch. I heard... I did that just this morning, by the way, when I tripped and skinned my knee, so... I heard. Does that make me a professional I did football? I was on the ground crying. For my I did listen. I watched about an hour of this game, but I did listen to uh, uh, Scott interrupting Paul continuously on the instant reaction yesterday. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and in between, the Scott was so excited to talk that in between, um, and Paul and him were fighting for mic time. I mean, we got some. We got to teach them some stuff, really. You know, but like, uh, you never interrupt me. I mean, come on. Right, so like uh, <laughs> hasn't happened and will not happen. <laughs> but Scott said something that was really smart when, and I, he sort of said, Sleeper has the ability to attract people onto him, and then when they come, he just passes through the lights, you know. And he did that continuously. And we're talking what was really apparent in this game, or maybe you'll come on to it earlier. But when you see Saliba play, it looks like a fit. When you see Jesus play, it looks like a fit. You know, it looks like a fit. And what's yeah. becoming apparent is there are some that fit and some that don't fit. And that is real clear yep. now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yep. Um, Paul's talk about fullbacks. Mm-hmm. Well, two fullbacks he's talking about are basically wingbacks. Do we want wingbacks anymore? Let's have the debate. You know, there is a debate. We've got three wingbacks and one inverted fullback. And we're backed by another inverted fullback. There's a debate that Ben White can play inverted fullback. And suddenly you've got, and Tommy Asu could play inverted left back. And suddenly you've got four big boys there. Well, good luck with that, you know, um, trying to get past that back five, you know, with Thomas Pyatt in the middle, for example. So, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. But what's happening now is the fit. The fit is becoming apparent. And we're now, I would rather, I we can question style, but the fit is what, is the issue, and maybe not so much the talent. And um, when I see Saliba, you see talent and you see fit. You see back three, back two. You see a lot that we can use, and it's 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 nice. It's really nice. There was actually a little bit of Liverpool to this because we pressed the ball a lot, won it back, created chances. There was a one Gabriel Jesus. We were really gifted the ball, and he fired it low to the far post, and the keeper made a good save. Pickford got down to save it well. Um, but then there was also a little bit of Liverpool in that it seemed like when we got the ball, our goal was to get it to the forwards as quickly as possible and let them do their thing. And I think Liverpool have been very, very good at that. And a lot of times their midfield doesn't get the praise it maybe deserves because it's often just how quickly can the ball get advanced to Salah or Mane or Diaz or Jota or whoever it is, right? And let them devastate in space or 1v1 or whatever it is. And we tried to get it to Martinelli and Saka and Jesus as quickly as we could. The ball... There was so much verticality to our passing. If there's something that has driven Arsenal fans nuts for years, it's the square pass. It's the wall pass. It's the 
there's a guy within three yards of me, so I'll turn around and give it back to the center back. And we weren't doing that. And in fact, one of the things we did a lot of is we did the wall pass, but it was the up, back, and through. You know what I mean? So the center back would give it to the midfielder, wall pass back, and then straight through, up, back, and through, up, back, and through to the runners in behind. Really, really nice to see. A lot of directness, a lot of verticality. Clive nodding like that's something he's said before, but I strongly doubt it. Strongly, strongly doubt it. <laughs> I'm just um, like, oh, okay, you no, 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 no. That's my thing. I can't. As you were it, talking there, my insight. you want to talk about potential weakness going mm-hmm. forward? Um, I, I, you know, I love to. Yeah, worry. let me give you something to think about on holiday, right? Um, we are pressing mm-hmm. from the front. We've got sprinters at the back, but have we got presses in the middle of the pitch in the in the eights? That can move, that can go and get it. I'll just, just, just put it out there. I'm. The, I mean, you know, yeah. I want Telemans. I've been saying I want. I'm just saying. To, I'm not saying we don't know. I, I think it's to be confirmed. I think it's to be confirmed. You don't have it. And you, you affect it. quality by what your first action at the front door. But if people do run through, then we're not exactly super sprinty in the, some of those positions. Uh, but hey, look, I just just thought of it as you were talking there about Liverpool because they have a counter pressing machine in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, and so yeah. it's just a thought yeah. process. Yeah. It's a different ways to skin a cat, isn't it? There's a couple of things we've talked about because we have talked about the people that weren't there with injuries and the concern of that. And we have to talk about Zinchenko's arrival. And we, you know, we can talk about Hutchinson, Omari Hutchinson leaving. I don't know that it's as worthy of a, a huge main podcast discussion as as you might think, but we can touch on it. We certainly did in the scouting video Zinchenko that we just did. So if you want to see a Zinchenko scouting video, it's up on Patreon. We started by talking Omari Hutchinson's departure and we got into Zinchenko's arrival and where he might play. I'll save the next thing I was going to say for for the section when we get on to him. Paul, I got to admit, uh, it turned 1 a.m. here and I decided that the standard definition stream on my phone um, probably wasn't needed for the second half given some of the players coming on. But that doesn't mean there weren't things that were interesting to see. I think we switched to a three Yep. Um, if the internet is to be believed. Can you just sort of summarize for us insights that you think are of value from that? Because the one thing that does seem clear is this is now the second time in the preseason we've seen a switch to a three. And I don't think we're doing that just because those are the players on the pitch. It wouldn't surprise me if that's a versatility that Arteta wants to have that Arteta wants to exploit with a Martinelli as a wingback, for example. We've seen that now twice. Um, you have any specific takeaways from the second half that might be of value in a preseason game that I think became increasingly preseasony? Yeah, not not really. The first half was really what it was all about. I mean, there were a couple of interesting things in the second half. We really had kind of through till 70 minutes where we played three at the back, uh, two wingbacks, and the wingbacks were Hector and... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Martinelli um, mm-hmm. and I think in part we played three at the back yes I think like that's something we will play some number of times this season as an option uh, mm-hmm. uh, so here's where I, where I think there's a point which is your point which is Arteta has just started talking and I agree with it whatever it is I agree <laughs> with it <laughs> unpredictability right um, there, he's talked about it in preseason that he wants to be able to be unpredictable, and we were very, very predictable last year in a good way, right? We uh, Tim talked a lot about other teams fig- figuring us out towards the end of the season. I don't know if that was the case because we also ran out of players, but eventually they do figure you out, right? And he he talked about unpredictability in preseason, but he also talked. There's an interview with him and the coach of the women's team. 
and the two of them are chatting on the pitch and uh, they start talking about what they do just be when the line outs co- come out. You know, you see the other team's team sheet and what they do before a game. And Arteta's like, yeah, I send somebody out to spy on the other side, how they're setting up while they're practicing. And then then he starts talking about how as soon as he gets the team sheet, he's then looking to see what changes he can make. Now, that wasn't as transparent to me last season as it could be. But we remember the Chelsea game where we maybe thought they were going to set up with a three or a two, um, the the second game of the season. And we changed mid-game within five minutes. Like, I don't think we always perceive it, but... Uh, Arteta really wants to have options that he can change things up in a way we didn't really see last last year. We kind of knew based on the small set of players we had who were good enough to be in the team and the run we were on, how we're going to play. So yeah, I think three at the back is a thing. Um, it may have been largely yesterday because he ran out of actual fullbacks who could play a proper four. I think it's very interesting that Rula Walters is still with the team once he's 17 or something. Of all the young players, he's there. So I don't think he's going to be a major factor for us this season. But still, you don't keep a kid like that around when all the other kids have gone home if you don't think, A, he's got talent, and B, that he carries himself within a squad. Um, But also the other factor is he's an actual defender, and we might be a little short of defenders right now. Um, In terms of standout play, not a huge amount of it. It took Eddie a little while to warm up, but then he started to pop at moments. Yeah. Uh, dropping in, making things happen. Outside of that, you know, you, you could talk about the people who didn't take their opportunity. It was the second half was a bit of a mess because it was Everton's kids and we were chopping and changing. But yeah, yeah, <clears throat> I, I will say this, and I don't know if this is just because it's summer and I'm in Portugal and it's hard to feel anxious and worked up when it's warm and you've been by the pool. But like Gabriel Jesus being so good. Mm has made me a lot more relaxed about Eddie and Kedia being a second option, right? I think- Learning the trade. If you go and you get a guy to be your first striker and he's mediocre and you wind up needing Eddie and Kedia a lot more because you're not sure the guy was the right, you know, if he's Lacazette level and you, you're really, now you're like, ah, I've got two guys, I'm not sure I've got a great one between them. But if we think we've got a great number one, then- I, I got no problem with Eddie being number two. I still think we could use another forward. That's maybe discussion for another day. Clive, before we shift gears from the, the game to things around the game, injuries and things like that, do you have a take on the appearance of the back three, your players from the second half? I will say when you look at Ben White, William Saliba, and uh, Gabriel Magalhaes, you certainly have a back three that would be very imposing defensively and all good players on the ball a lot of technical quality and defensive quality there. I'm not sure I'm sold on any of our wingback options, frankly. I think Tierney can play it. I don't think Tomiyasu can. Yeah. And the rest of them are either players we don't love or players that are, you know, a, a, a bit of a mismatch for the position. So I don't know if it's my favorite idea, but we certainly have the center backs for it if we need to. Yeah, well, the wing backs are they are there, but some people don't like them, and and so uh, and so fair enough. Yeah. And I think we have wing. And there's back. also the Saka Saka option on the right, right? Yeah, I was just about to say that. Don't move that kid. He's pretty good. Uh, yeah, he's he all about what you want to achieve, <laughs> what the game state is, isn't it? Is it a back three or is it a back five to hold on to a result? Uh, we have the options now to to do it. Um, I'm a bit. I'm. I'm a fan of having that system in in your toolbox. Why wouldn't you? I think we should use it at Newcastle. We weren't healthy. We should use it at Spurs. 
we should use it when we're playing back three teams. Why not match them, see what they've got, and play from there? Uh, that's the way I'd approach it. Don't have to agree, but um, I'd approach it. And I, if you're hurting in certain areas, just just match them. Look at the game. Um, and I think it's interesting that he's used the back three in both the warm up games so far. Is that correct? Um, and he ended he ended yes. them. And I think it's absolutely fine. I think it's good. Uh, you, we, we, we're all, you know, we don't want to be scouted easily, and um, I like it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of it. You know my thoughts, Elliot. I'm a fan of it, really. But I don't think you should do it all the time. I think it's a day to bring out the card. I say today's a day to bring out the card, and it's choosing those days. And I think it just it gets people on their toes. So I've got no issues at all with playing the back three, particularly now we've seen Saliba, Stroke, Rolls Royce cruising down the right hand side of our team. You know, Ben White's very sharp, can play on the right or in the centre, and Gabriel picks himself, right? So, good luck with that lot, lads. Good luck. You know, they're they're sharp, they're quick. Front foot, back foot, good on the ball, physically imposing, really intelligent. Yeah. And look at their ages. I mean, crikey. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It was interestingly go, a 3-5-2, right? Uh, we had two guys up front. I think it was uh, Pepe and in in Katia, because um, we're normally three four three, but this was a three five two. We had Maitland Niles in midfield, who took a little while to warm up, but then I thought looked pretty good. We brought on Sambi in the the left eight spot later on when we switched to a back four. You know, th- those were some of the interesting as- aspects of the second half. Guys who debatably had pretty good games, even though n- not hugely stand out. Um, so we saw different options, different players there. El Nenny coming in for the the DM with he had Chaka and and Maitland Niles ahead of him, and then later on we had Mo and Sambi Lakanga and Maitland Niles as the three. Um, and I think they all did pretty well as as threes in midfield once they'd warmed up to it. Um, and I do think the three at the back allows Arteta to take a little bit. Of, of pressure off the selection of Saliba versus White and Gabriel. And not that that should be a reason to pick a lineup, but uh, if we're good at playing three at the back, that's a reason. With those three guys, the two things go together, right? They could be really good. They could deserve game time, and they could make us really good at playing three at the back, and that solves the problem. Yeah, I think... um, Well said. Now, Sorry, I was just going to say... When we're watching these games, we have to think back to what we're trying to achieve. And it's not, I think, three at the back thing in two games, that's something he's looking at for a game state because we've seen it twice. <clears throat> the other things we've seen, yeah. potentially, it's like, how can I get minutes? Because they're all trained, they all deserve minutes. How can I get minutes into their bodies? So some of the things that we're seeing, positionally, may not be stick on, you know? Um, yeah. But within that framework, you, you can see the stylistic issues that we potentially have. And it's not, when I say that, it's not it's not a massive critique. It's just that we've changed how we play. We're evolving how we play. And it's a style discussion. We're going to have this, mate, all year, I'm telling you. We're going to have this all year. Particularly if the departures don't happen as we hope they will do. We're going to be talking who's, who's in the room and who isn't. And it's not based on their ability. It's more their suitability. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, this was a preseason game against a bad Everton team where for a half I thought we looked great. 
I think it's more interesting to discuss the intention of how we want to play and the the nuances that that we're seeing come into our game versus who individually shined because you know at preseason you just don't always know the level and I know we went on and on about Gabriel Jesus but we could talk about Party or Odegaard or Shaka or you know any any of those players individually I don't think now's the time to get too granular on individual performances so let's let's move off that I do want to talk about the absences and I want to talk about the incomings but it's time for a word from our sponsor BetterHelp Interesting. I was with a, a listener and a friend the other day. We we're sitting down. We we're talking very, you know, um, put together guy, a guy who has a, you know, his life in order and doing really well for himself. And it's interesting, right? Because I think sometimes we think that mental health is a thing that only certain people need or certain people do. And it came up in conversation randomly. He said one of the best things he's ever done for himself is therapy. And you know, then I'm like, well, yeah, for for me too. And we talked a little bit about working on yourself and how working on yourself can be so valuable to being more effective, more successful, more satisfied, enjoying things in your life more, whether you're going through something really difficult and you need that professional help, or you just want to, you know, work on unlocking your potential by getting someone who can talk, talk to you about your issues, because let's face it, right? We have a lot of people in our life that care about us and they should be there for us, but a professional therapist can talk to you about issues in your life in a way that the average friend or partner maybe can't, or doesn't have the bandwidth themselves to cope with. So I I think BetterHelp is a company I feel really proud to have as a sponsor of the podcast because I think they're providing a service that a lot of people don't have access to, right? It's online therapy, but it's real therapy with licensed professional therapists. You can video chat or not video chat, whichever you're more comfortable doing. And you can get a specialist in your area. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So you can do it on your schedule affordably and get the kind of help that's going to be most valuable to you. And I just think that's very difficult to do in other contexts. So I think they're providing great service. And if it's something that you want to try, uh, our listeners, you, get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash vision. That's betterhelp.com slash vision. Okay? Now, BetterHelp is a tool you can use to make yourself more effective, more healthy. Indeed is a tool you can use to make your business more healthy. They are the hiring partner that lets you attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple sites, we always talk about it. You can find the right skills, the right candidates on Indeed, and you only pay when you find the candidates whose skills and qualities match your requirements. So it's the kind of service you want. You pay for it if it's doing the thing it's supposed to do. One of the best features... Virtual interviews in a hybrid work environment. Virtual interviews are essential. You can interview people from all over with no plugins, no downloads, no technical skill required. Uh, Using virtual interviews save most employers days of hiring time, according to Indeed data. And you can use Instant Match. Remember, as soon as you post a a job on Indeed, you get candidates who match your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. All All things being said... You can join the 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to get great talent fast. Sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job, plus up to $500 in extra sponsored job credits with Indeed virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to learn more. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your your credits now. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. The higher you need Indeed. So that's the tool that gets your business healthy and the tool that gets your privates healthy looking and feeling their best is, of course, 
the Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped. You know, we haven't talked about them as much as I'd like, but it is summer. It's time to trim those hedges. It's time to get it down to the skin so we can feel good, so we can feel cool. And so that, of course, when we're in those skimpy bathing suits like I've been wearing every day, a visual you didn't need, you look the part, okay? It says here, it's a fact that you will have the best kept, uh, I'm not even going to say that word, on the cul-de-sac. Get it? Anyway, uh, yes, use the code ARSENALVISION for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. The Lawnmower 4.0 has the skin-safe technology designed to work on loose skin, ceramic blades, an LED light, wet, dry, and a long, long, long battery life, and it comes with a really nice induction charger, so you just set it in the cradle. Uh, when you get the Performance Package 4.0, you can also get the, the trimmer for your ears and nose hair, which I love. Uh, you can get the boxers, which have a... I don't know how else to say this, but a pouch, okay? I know it's a weird word to use and not necessarily the best, but you get that as a free gift. You get the shed travel bag. Um, there's toners, there's deodorants. Do it now. Go to manscaped.com, use promo code ArsenalVision, save 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use our code ArsenalVision. It's time you level up from the Amazon to the Amazon. Oh, no, it says required to read this, okay? From the Amazon to the Amadong. I mean, it, they're requiring me to read that with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped Clive. Is that enough of that? Very much indeed. <laughs> there's a section on all of these ads where it's like, yeah, hey, you can, you can, you know, make it up as you go along, but then there's the must read part and the, the must read part. I, yeah, I didn't know that word was going to be in there. I hadn't checked ahead of time. Okay. Um, Clive, I'm going to shock you. Are you ready to be shocked? Uh, yes, Elliot. I'm ready. <laughs> Kieran Tierney is injured. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tomiyasu is injured. <laughs> okay. Emil Smith-Rowe is injured. Now, look, I'm not saying any of these are very bad or any of these need to be worried about. Uh, Fabio Vieira, I should mention, also recovering from a, a bone injury, as it was described by um, by the manager, who is Mikel Arteta. That's his name. Um, Clive... It really is the case that I worry about injuries probably more than is healthy. But where Tomiyasu and Tierney are concerned, I, I think the worry climbs over the fence into rational territory because those are injuries that cost us last season, that have really cost us two seasons in a row, and seem to be a continuing problem, one of which we may be addressing. I, I'm curious if you are prepared to be concerned that these players who have not been able to stay fit are currently not fit. Yeah, the Tommy Asu one, I don't know much about that one. I don't think they're very major, but they're major in our minds because we have we have wounds. We have we have wounds, you know, and um so yeah, I think they seem Via Real size yeah, wounds. And um <laughs> Tommy Asu we thought he was rock solid, then he then he wasn't, right? So um that is a worry. And that that is probably why Real Waters is around. Um, he's a promising young player and he's getting some time. Um, but he's primarily a right back, even though the disco boys don't believe me, he is a right back. <laughs> but we shall see. Um, we'll see him develop this year. It's really it's very interesting and exciting. But yeah, we potentially have a problem and and I've said it before, so I feel like I'm repeating myself, but for those people who are keen on Scottish football, Kieran Tini, this is not new. This is not new. You know, this is Somebody that played through injury when he was younger didn't want to miss big games. This is not new, and I'm hoping Arsenal are just being cautious with him to try to rid him of these minor issues that seem to appear 
when you have a knee up, you soften up elsewhere, right? So you've probably got a soft tissue injury of some sort. And they are in pre-season. They are loading heavy. They're doing lots of running. And when you feel something, what you don't do is play through it in pre-season because you don't need to. And so you take a step away. If you feel anything at all, you step away, right? It's not major. You're just taking the risk away, you know, because if you do something, before you know it, the season's starting in no time at all. And if you do a grade one, that's three weeks gone and you're missing the first game. So you just don't take something. So although I do, I hear what you're saying earlier, and I, I'm not going to tell you not to, don't worry, because not that you ever listen to me anyway, but um, because I... Uh, I'm going to do it whether you like it or not. <laughs> but there is a worry there. But I'm hoping with these additions that we're talking about or about to talk about, or we just spoke about one in Saliba, rather than play people when they feel a little dull muscle pain, they just say, you know what, mate, sit down. We've got, we got an alternative, and... And that's what we need to get to. And when that happens, we're going to get people around for the critical months when trophies and league positions are handed out. And that's where we haven't been for the last two years, you know. So um, the additions we're talking, we're about to see and we've seen are really going to hopefully allow those guys to stay fitter for longer, that's how we say. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Saliba coming back, like he can sort of, I mean, he's not going to play inverted fullback, but White can and Tomiyasu can. And if Tomiyasu's not there, I mean, we can go to back three and Martinelli can play wing back. And, um, you know, we we are probably about to have Zinchenko. I, I actually view a Tomiyasu injury as more serious than a Tierney injury because we appear to be making a signing that will come to that might be a left eight, but can play left back. And I know there are people that rate Cedric and think he's unnecess- or, or overly criticized. I think it takes too much away from our game, me personally, to be playing a lot of games with him at right back. And I think we saw the limits of his capabilities against Tottenham, unfortunately. But, but Paul, these injuries worry me because, I mean, fullback, it is such an important part of the game now. And I guess you could say, which position isn't, Elliot? And then I'm sitting here struggling because I can't think of a position that's not an important part of the game. But, you know, especially on the left-hand side, where we don't have a natural creator like we do with Odegaard on the right, I think having a fullback who can progress the ball and be part of the attack is really critical. So I, I'm curious how you see these injuries. Yes, these players may be ready for the start of the season, but preseason is also about zipping the ball along the ground and and getting into a rhythm, and positional football is not just plug and play. You need time in it, and they're not getting that time, and they didn't get that time down the stretch last season. So this is a long time now that these players have not been able to be on the pitch feeling where they're meant to be feeling how they're going to interact with Gabriel Jesus now who's new and, you know, and, and familiarizing themselves with the, with the way we want to play. Yeah. Uh, I definitely have some worry here. I, I feel like this is the season we've got the players we're set up. We know the plan. We're almost there. And I have a little bit of, uh, there's probably a FOMO acronym for this, but like, why can't, good people be allowed to have good things. Uh, like mm. we've gone through a lot of pain to get through this point, a lot of pulling of hair out and we look at our full back positions <clears throat> and like, I think Sinchenko is a very good injury history. Glad to jinx that for everybody and be the first there. I, I'm late on a lot of things, but jinxing people with injuries, I'm your man. Um, <clears throat> so, I think we'll be okay on the left-hand side and it could be a good season for Tierney to play when he's ready and not play when he isn't. He doesn't have a World Cup too, 
So that'll allow him to pace himself a little bit. Neither does Zinchenko. <clears throat> so our left side's probably going to be fine. Uh, ben White generally has a very good uh, health. I'm going to use a more positive phrasing. Maybe that'll be less jinxy. A very good health record. Um, so hopefully this is just a one-off and that'll get fixed. And then we're left with our right-hand side. And that's really, you know, outside of parties, injury history, and availability, those are my two worry spots, the right fullback and our DM spot. Um, <clears throat> and like everything else, um, I'm feeling reasonably good that we, we need another forward. Uh, we potentially need a left eight depending on what the real plan for Zinchenko is. But back to this topic, he can't be in two places at the one time. And he's, if he's playing a lot of full back, then he's not the answer to our left eight spot either. And I have a lot of time for Granit Xhaka, but I don't want him to be our go-to left eight all season. And, uh, you know, he does okay, considering it's not his actual... Uh, daytime job, he fills in pretty well, but I'd actually like to see a proper left eight on that side. And you know, maybe that's somebody within the squad today. Maybe that's maybe Vieira steps up. Maybe there's a Saka switch to that spot. Maybe some, you know Smith Rowe grows into it. But right now, I don't know who that left eight is. I don't see them yet. So those are my my worry points. If if you told me White, um, Tommy Yasu stay fit for the vast majority of the season, I'm going to relax because I think that gives Mo Elneny enough around him if he's playing a lot of minutes with a party injury or whatever. And that just leaves us our left-hand side and we'd have Zinchenko. <clears throat> it's pretty good. Now all we need is a extra forward and uh, our left eight. And I, I think we're laughing. So, there's a, But there's a dependency there based on right fullback Really rightful back. If Tommy Yasu can stay mostly fit, I think Cedric's okay for most games, except when he's up against somebody who can bully him. Uh, but there will be those games if he has to play a lot of games. And we can lean into the other side, though Cedric is really the guy you want pushing forward because you don't want him to be the guy forming the back three. That would be Zinchenko. Yeah. yeah, so I will just point out, because I'm sure people will pull you up on it, if you go to transfer mark. And if you believe what they list for injury history, Zinchenko's isn't fantastic. Uh, I mean, there's there's enough there to have concern. Oh. And I only mention it because people will look and then, uh, you know, I, I want to reference I think that. It's a big knee injury it, in there. It's there. It was now, in that group. There was, yeah. a, there was a knee surgery and, and it looks like he only missed two months with it. So I'm sure that's more of a scope than it was a yeah. reconstruction. But, you know, there, there's quite a few 20, 30 day absences there um, for this, that, and the other thing. Now, I will say this, every single club has a player that if they go down for a long stretch of time, that club's not going to achieve their goals. The idea that you should be so deep that you can lose a critical player or two for a long stretch of time and not have it affect you is a, is a fallacy that people have created in their head. I always hear this idea that, oh, we need depth. You got to have depth because if so-and-so gets injured, you're screwed. You're never going to have two players at every position that are equally as good as each other. And so if City lose a Kevin De Bruyne for six months, or as we saw with Liverpool, if they lose a, a Virgil van Dijk for six months, or if you know any of these clubs 
lose that player that is that talisman, lose that player that is a, a load-bearing wall, a, you know, a tent pole, it's, they, they don't have a choice. I mean, how, how would Spurs have performed last season if they lost Kane or Son for six months? You can't talk about depth and expect to have a backup for certain players, but you absolutely can talk about it when it's players who predictably get injured. And I think we are into the zone with Kieran Tierney where if your season gets wrecked for a third time in a row because Kieran Tierney is injured, that's on you, right? You don't get to cry um, wolf on this one anymore. And that leads us to a Zinchenko discussion. Uh, Clive, I, I want to just tell people, we did a, a scouting video on Zinchenko on the Patreon side. And if you're interested in that, I certainly invite you to check it out. I think you will be fascinated by it. If you're not interested in it, by the way, skip it. No big deal. But I want to say something, because when people hear scouting video, maybe they think we take YouTube clips and we speak to them. We go into a scouting platform that has every single action the player has made, period. We watched his on-the-ball actions, and the guy is absolutely sensational. Eye-opening. Spectacular. You saw him for Ukraine in World Cup qualifying. He's every bit as good as he looked. On the ball, this guy is special. We also watched every single 1v1 defensive involvement he had for the entire season, including international and club level. And it ain't great. And I invite you to go look and, and tell me if you disagree. It's just one man's opinion. There's a lot of really poor pressing and late arrival and throwing a leg in and diving to the ground. And so as I watched this, Clive, and thinking about our area of needs, I've been thinking Zinchenko plus Tielemans and, and we are flying. I'm sort of inclined to think it's Zinchenko for left eight. It's Zinchenko for midfield. And if Tierney's out, Shaka comes back in or whoever it is comes back in and Zinchenko slides to left back and he gets to play there. But if Tierney's fit, I think it's Zinchenko plus Tierney. I don't think it's one or the other. If there's a big exit, I think it would be Shaka and not Tierney. I am curious based on what you've seen now and as you look at the way the squad is constructed, if you agree or have a different perspective on what our idea is for using uh, Alexander Zinchenko. Our, our idea is, to me, is we have or we are about to purchase a versatile footballer. And my my ideas are to be formed, really, and based on the system we use, okay. etc. And what we do know earlier that he's played left back for his entire Manchester City career. He's plays in midfield for Ukraine, either on the left side of a double pivot mm-hmm. or as a number ten. And where he's quite dominant, and we he should is say. wonderful <laughs> on the ball, and his ability to receive it, move mm-hmm. it, keep it, all the rest of that stuff. Turn both ways is beautiful, and his way of pass, his appreciation of pass, is top top stuff. But he admits himself he's not the fastest. So what he has to do when you're not fast, you have to get there on time. And if you don't, he <laughs> looks silly, right? And um, and on some occasions, he looks silly when he gets there late. Right, because he hasn't got the ability to catch up. Right, so um, we had a debate. I think we it's all about the system you use him in. So when he plays Man City, he's part of the three. You know, so it's a two, three, you know, five, and he's part of the three. And so that's your ring the ring the box group. Yeah, make sure they don't get out. Rush in to keep them there, and then you have your two at the back, which is your insurance policy. Right, so. We don't want you to get that far. Let's not get that far. We're going to foul you. We're going to transition foul you. We're going to start to counter-press you. But that we want to stop you getting to our back two and keep you in this half. 
And so sometimes that works. He looks tremendous. He transitioned tackles and kicked into the box and they score and everyone high-fives each other. And sometimes he's on his ass on the corner of the screen. You're thinking, oh, my goodness, what's happened here? Right? He's a bad defender. I think he's an average defender that wins some, lose some. But within a system, a counter-pressing system, I think he's fine. But I think what we're seeing here is a change of emphasis. If you like your full, I'm a Tomiyasu, saw him, loved him. Absolutely loved him. The mesh with Ben White. Thank you very much. Where do I sign? No hesitation. When I look at what we've got now in our team, I'm looking at what we're trying to achieve. I'm thinking we're trying to control the football. We're trying to add to our technical quality. We're trying to make sure we can pass into the box with real quality. So our emphasis of our tactics has changed or is changing, right? So on, and on that basis, I have to change how I'm looking at it. Now, I like I like a centre-back right-back. I like a bit more of an attacking left-back because I think we should, I like to layer on that side, you know, in my own mind. So we potentially got one. But when you sometimes have an attacking left-back, the things they're not so good at is defending. Guess what? We got one in Nuno. Really good attacker, not just a good defender. Right? People want him out of the building because <clears throat> he attacks on the outside. He can attack on the inside, but Shinchenko's better on the inside. His quality is better as he would be when you're a 25 year old international captain. You know? And I think that is something else to note. We're bringing in another fantastic character. So it is what it is, mate. Let's see what we do. But that Granite Shaka type hole in our team, there's opportunities to improve it. We know that there's opportunity from a technical level, from a human perspective. He's a, he's a special human being, Granite Shack, and teams are made up of different characters. You know, they they really are. And um, so I'm here to see what happens when it comes down to it. But I'm not going to conclude anything just yet. Yeah, I'd I'd like to draw some conclusions right now because that never goes wrong. And if I do it, I feel like it will be well received by the audience, and I will not be pulled up on it later. So I want to just go go uh, test the community's resolve in that way. I, I kid, but look, and I know people will be screaming into their listening device like Trent Alexander-Arnold is bad defensively, Cancella. but Liverpool aren't complaining. Absolutely. If you are the best attacking fullback that has ever played in the history of a league, you get to be bad defensively. He still doesn't get picked by Southgate. Right? <laughs> like imagine being the best attacking fullback of all time in a league and you still don't get picked by your nation because they're worried about you defensively. Like, that's the level we're at. And, like, here's the problem, right? Alexander Zinchenko is a phenomenal player on the ball. He's not the best attacking fullback in the history of the league. Like, Lionel Messi is, like, playing with 10 men. But he's also Lionel Messi. So, you know, you can, you can, you can handle that. I, I do want to be clear. I would go for Zinchenko. I am glad we are getting him, and I think he can be devastating for us. Paul, the video of what he does on the ball and around the final third and around the box, we don't have anybody on the left-hand side doing it right now. And it's going to be transformative for Jesus, for Martinelli or Smith-Rowe. It's going to be transformative for the fullback, whoever that is. I think Odegaard will profit from it. There's not a player who won't benefit from it. I think if he's on the left at fullback, you can sort of hide some of his weaknesses in City because they're so ball-dominant and they win the ball so well together as a group. We're going to need to be that ball-dominant, I think, in order for him to be able to be a little bit hidden that way. And you look at Tomiyasu and the way he takes on 1v1s, you can't burst by him because he can push off either foot and get to the spot he needs to get to. 
I'm going to tell you this right now. There's going to be a point next season where Zinchenko is going to be 1v1 with a winger, and they are going to take one quick step and be by him in a flash. He cannot stop anyone from going past him. He sticks a leg. He tries to make that first tackle early, and if he doesn't get there, you're by him. Now, that that's fine because the other things he does are great, but for me, I want to see him in midfield where I think his best qualities can be at the four and his weaker qualities can be a little more hidden. And then of course, if Tierney's out, you just use him and, and, and you play around that. So that's a long way of saying, Paul, I love the acquisition. I love it. I think more as a midfielder with backup left back potential, but I'm curious if you disagree with that. Um, I guess I disagree in degree of uh, discomfort. Wow. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. Look, you know, I like to, to I, I, I have strong opinions loosely held, yeah. right? I feel this way strongly now, but I'm fully prepared to update it as time goes yeah. by. You know, look, and, and say I never believed the thing I believed initially. Look, if he's left back, he's going to play in midfield a lot because he's the left back. And the first thing he's going to do is step into midfield, as Clive described as 2-3-5. Like, Good point. He's kind of going to end up in the same spot anyway, unless he's very aggressively our attacking left eight, which might be a little bit different responsibility. But he's going to be in those dangerous zones, picking out clever passes. Um, and I, look, occasionally we'll think, gosh, I wish we'd uh, a ripping full-on full back there. But we got Gabrielle on his side, who's well able to marshal, bully, run with, cover, and we'll have more possession because of Zinchenko. So he'll have less 1v1s. Like if we're, uh, it's a bit like the uh, Italian centre-back thing of if I had to make a challenge, I've already made a mistake. If Zinchenko's doing mm-hmm. a lot of 1v1s at full-back, our positional play isn't working. Um, and he's not Zinchenkoing when he steps into the midfield from left-back, and we're not keeping possession, and we're not anticipating the counter-attack, and we're not making that foul early on. Like, you don't have... If you're doing a lot of defending in your left-back corner, you're doing the football wrong, and we're not playing... we got bigger problems than Zinchenko at left-full-back if he's our big problem, and... I'll be interested. Can yeah. I bring Clive in on that point just real quick, <clears throat> yeah. Paul? I'll come right back to you, Clive. No, I'll just say whatever. You, you're right to have those fears around Chinchenko. You, you're absolutely right. I, I watched the videos too, Elliot. <laughs> you know, he's swinging a leg around. <laughs> the, the defensive actions that worried me were the ones near our own goal by the line, you know, by the byline of such, because you need to stop people there. You need to stop people crossing. So when that's a bit more of a way, because that's, that's something that's going to hurt us, right? So... But we don't intend to be anywhere near our goal, do we? And it's all about the pressing angles. It's all about mm. pressing up front. That makes the that make that allows people to affect the exit path. And that allows you to gamble on your press behind, and it, and that's it. That's the style we're going to go for. And you know, how many points we finished behind City and Liverpool, and consisted of the last few seasons. And what they do more than anybody else, better than anybody else, is they keep you in areas. They keep you there. And when they do keep you there, they've got the quality to do something with it, you know. And we're developing into that, and we got to find we got to find fifteen <laughs> goals, and we got to find I don't know how many points to be a, a proper team again. And these type of signings, I, I'm really interested in to see how comfortable we are with it, and if it fits the overall plan that we can all see forming in our minds. Right. So pressing, pressing, pressing. And, and we're look. Can I add, Clive, like we're looking for more players who have the map, right? Odegaard has the map. Saka has the map. 
They know how a game is supposed to be played. Zinchenko has the map. I mean, he just, his reading of a game in and out of possession, uh, like he's just superb. The vision, the what we're supposed to be doing. We, the more of those players we have, the more we control the game technically. He has the technical skills, the anticipation, but he has the map. And yeah, I'll. No, you're right. I like you use the word map. And the one phrase I like is that one brain exactly. phrase, that one brain oh, okay. playing within one brain. And what we're seeing now, we can see the brain developing and we can see who has the brain and who doesn't have the brain. Good players, they don't fit. They don't fit. They don't do the things we want in the way we want it with the technical quality that we now are going to require. They haven't got the intensity, the movement, the energy, the the, the repeat sprinting. They haven't got it. The slash it. They haven't got it. And we can see it. We can see it. And uh, and it, and then we'll become more comfortable, Elliot, with Shinchenko because when because we won't look at those situations in an isolated way like we do on the video. You know, because we we think well, that's only happening. We got that's only happening like once a game, and we're already three nil up. I care very little. Do you see what I mean? Because he's put one on the back post and Gabriel Jesus's head. You know, and um, so that's what we're really going to. It's going to be interesting to see what happens if we can't control yeah. football matches. And Gabriel Jesus, Clive. Mm. Yeah, Gabriel Jesus, another guy in the one brain has the map. I mean, he's just so bloody clever. Everything he does. Mm. Uh, him, Zinchenko will find each other. When like, you, it's just more and more players who have the map. Yeah, and when you see um, the highlight YouTubes of Zinchenko, just watch how many times he's passing to Jesus. It's quite a lot. Sweeping yeah. crosses to that back yeah. post. And what Jesus does, he completes his runs. He completes his runs as a forward. He doesn't like, oh, I'm on my heels on the penalty spot. He goes, he goes early, he stays on side, he completes, and they pass to him. And, um, yeah, I'm here for all of that, son. All of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to finish. And, and look, there's more transfer stuff to discuss. Does Zinchenko coming mean we're not doing a Tielemans, not doing a left eight? Does it Does it mean we're getting both? Or, you know, is there another attacker coming? What about Paqueta? Like, you know, that can all sizzle and bubble and, and simmer for a bit, and we'll come back onto it. And... um and and I don't think we've jinxed the Zinchenko thing with the scouting yet. video, which is which is a first <laughs> for us. So that's good. Um, I want to say one last thing, and and I'll just say you know there's a good uh, thread on Twitter. If you want to go to DTDC Gooner, uh, he had a good thread about this. It is always nice when these preseason tours happen wherever they happen, and seeing people who don't get to be close to the club get a chance to go and see the club play and what it means. Um, to have the access, to have the availability, to to be close to it, and like it's just a preseason game, a game that Tim doesn't even think should be allowed to be watched. <laughs> Leave Tim alone. <laughs> um, but but it was watched, and uh, the reason I liked his thread is, you know, made the point. Yeah, these are money spinning tours, and yeah, they may be about capitalistic motivations first and foremost. But who cares? Because for the people that are there, it means a lot, and. It brings them close to the club. And he saw young kids there screaming all game long, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds with their dads, you know, with their moms on their dad's shoulders, rooting for the Arsenal, you know, a whole new generation of Arsenal fans all over the world being brought up. And there is sort of a no true Scotsman fallacy that comes into our discussion about what makes a fan a fan. Um, at the end of the day, it is it is great to see people come together and get a chance. And the thing I really like is there isn't a right way to support. So 
it used to be, I feel like in the early stages, I remember this for myself too, when I started to follow Arsenal and, and Premier League football, wanting to be able to do it the way it was done in North London, right? To do it the way it was done in England. And what you're seeing now globally as the game grows is people are feeling comfortable in their skin doing it their way, right? Supporting in the way that that makes them feel fulfilled and happy. And so I really liked seeing that and I'm really happy for everyone who got to be there. It's so crazy to be on holiday with your family in a beautiful place that, you know, is a, is a once in a lifetime type trip and feel a little FOMO, not being in Baltimore, Maryland in the thick of the summer, in the humidity, cheering on the arsenal with everybody. So, Paul, final word on that before we get out of here? Yeah, I'd like it. Look, I I don't think we can look past and we should give a shout out to the seven Everton fans who made it to the game. Um, Yeah, yeah, good for them. And I think... And and one of them was calling the game, right? The the men in blazers guy. (laughs) And, like, they got the performance that their supporters deserved, all seven of them. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. Everton were truly shabby in terms of their ambition and like dirty. It all starts with filthy. the manager and look yeah. at how Lampard was dressed. I mean, Lampard Jesus. was dressed for like, like he, he needed to, like he was going to go into the sauna afterwards. Yeah. The slightly slow stream. So I was never quite sure if he'd been sacked yet, but I feel it's coming. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay. Well, yes. Yeah, so, so kudos to the seven Everton mm-hmm. fans and the tens of thousands of Arsenal fans. All right, let's leave it there. We'll have a lot more throughout the week. And if, you know, news breaks, we will cover it. And we'll certainly have another main pod. And there's more to go on the tour in Orlando. And I hope everyone there has a great time. Um, Tim will be back. He had a little bit of laryngitis. So he needs to rest up uh, covering the Euros, obviously. So Paul's on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Thanks, Woo-hoo! Paul. Clive's on Twitter at Clive. Thank you very Thanks, much. Clive. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Please do that. Absolutely essential. I say it every pod, and some of you still haven't done it, so I don't know what you're waiting for. Okay, everybody. we got a new signing on the horizon. We haven't jinxed it. That's going to be fun. We'll cover that and more in the future. We love you, and we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Transfer window. Nope.